Today, we are going to look into the Scripture uh, concerning the marriage of the Word and the Spirit. And, uh, um, you know, many people believe that today there, um, there is no influence other than the Spirit to save. So we, um, did I, do I need to do something here? Huh? There it is. You got it. Glory to God. There we are. The marriage of the Word and the Spirit. So many people believe today that the only influence the Spirit has is to draw an unbeliever into the knowledge of um, the decision to know Christ or not know Christ. But when we study the Word of God, we see some things that let us know based on Jesus' own ministry that that is not so. So we're going to begin today to look into this. And if you will stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. And there we're going to um, uh, see what Jesus did in the marrying of the Word and the Spirit. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now that's highlighted. So that tells me that there's something significant about it. He stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. We're all good so far, because that falls into the modern day uh, uh, theology. Because everything we see right now is about what? The Word. But then in verse 18, something happens. A shift takes place, if you will. And the Spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now we're going to pray and then I'm going to show you what that scripture means. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our life. Because what the word of God and the spirit of God is bringing to us is truth. Let us apply it. Father, we ask you to have Jesus speak, the Holy Spirit reveal, us to receive it, and then for us to release what we have received. We will give you praise and honor and glory for all that you're doing and have done and are going to do through the precious voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the use of the Holy Spirit, and we give you praise in Jesus' name who is our High Priest, our Lord, our Man in the Godhead, and our Anointed Christ. 
Amen and amen, and you may be seated. So, I want to begin today by asking you a question. If I was to give you a cookbook, if you gave me a cookbook, and said, alright, here's everything you need to know. You can become a master chef. Just, just follow the manual. It'll tell you everything you need to know, when you need to know it, how you need to know it. Would that make me a cook? If I was to give you a book that told you everything that you needed to know about being a football player, and you, you could read, would having that book make you a football player? Alright, now if I was to give you a book that was a, a, a journal of modern medicine, Give it to you and say, here you go. Read the book. It'll tell you everything you need to know about being a doctor. Just read the book. Would that make you proficient in modern medicine? All right. Because we would agree that there is more information needed than just the book. Whether you want to cook, whether you want to play football, whether you wanted to be a doctor, there's more resources required. You cannot become any of those things based on just reading a book. And you know, our Christian society today have given themselves to reading multiple texts, thinking that reading text is going to make you know what you need to know about God. We have a church system today that says we do not need the move of the Spirit because we have the book. If we just listen to the book, we'll be alright. We'll know everything we need to know about serving God, living for God, understanding God. But I want to tell you a little story. Jesus did not live that way. Jesus did not live. Let me take you and show you. Can I show you? Yeah. See him read from the book. See him pull up the Old Testament. But then you see him tell you how he operated among men. Isn't that interesting? He had the book. He had the knowledge of the book. He knew where the scripture was because the Bible said that he went into the synagogue as his custom was. And he stood up to read. And when they gave him the book, he went immediately to what he needed to read from. And it was Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 2. And he says, the spirit, not the book. But the Spirit of the book, the Spirit of the Lord, is upon me. And from that Spirit, I begin to preach and minister. In conjunction with, in coordination with the prophecy that Isaiah has written about me. There was a marriage here that occurred between Jesus and the Word of God. Now let's move forward. So today many argue that we don't need any spiritual influence 
Many would tell you that the spirit of God's influence in our day has gone into secession. That means that it doesn't work like that anymore. What was happening in that day doesn't work like that anymore. They would argue that the Word of God is Holy Spirit breathed. It is inerrant. And they would say anything God wants to say, He's already said in Scripture. And those are all good arguments, but they don't reflect any of the teaching of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a sad thing? They're good arguments, they're good statements, but they don't reflect the teaching of Jesus Christ because when He introduced Himself, He introduced Himself while marrying the Word and the Spirit. Look at John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In Spirit and in truth. Now we know that the Bible says God is a spirit. And we know that John 1 called Jesus truth. So that we will worship him in the spirit of the Father. Now who is the Father? That's the thing we must come to understanding of. The Father represents the Godhead. The Godhead represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we worship the Spirit that is represented by the Father, the truth, Jesus Christ, is ministering, is speaking, is saying something. Now the Bible has recorded much, now watch me now, of what Jesus said. But the Bible said, according to John, if everything that Jesus did and said was recorded, the world could not contain the volumes of the things that he did. So that tells me that there is a reason that we worship in spirit and in truth. And the reason is, is because the Word of God is spoken to be coordinated with the spirit world. If we fail to coordinate the spirit and truth, then we become a backward, a dry, a mind-led, led by our own wisdom, because we are not being led by the Spirit and the truth. Jesus said it. The Father seeketh those that will worship Him in both Spirit, Mary, Spirit and truth. For God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in the Spirit of the Godhead and the truth of His Son, Jesus Christ. What we want to do today is we want to put everything into the wisdom of man. We want to put everything into something we can easily ascribe to with our mind. The wisdom of man has become the element that has stopped the growth of the body of Christ that has stopped the move of the Spirit of God, that has eliminated the marriage 
of the resource of the Spirit and has brought us into a time and place in the modern world where we are in decline. Why is that, Pastor? Why are we in decline, Pastor? Because we have thumped them over the head with a book and said, here are the do's and don'ts. You do them, you'll be all right. Boom, you don't do them, God's going to zap you. But we know that's a lie. And the world turned on that. Why did they turn on that, Pastor? Because God didn't zap them when they did wrong. That's not how God does business. The old line that we used to hear Flip Wilson say, God will get you for that. The devil, gonna, God going to get you if you do that. that. That's a lie. God does not operate like that. Not now. Right now he operates as a lamb on the throne. He's going to one day operate as a lion. But right now he operates as a lamb. How is he operating? Through love. His love is extended to every man, woman, boy, and girl. He hates evil, however. He hates them serving the man of sin. So as they serve the man of sin, his love hovering over the earth because the Bible said he walks on the flood and he sits on the circle of the earth. His love <laughs> being given, produced for the world is hovering there. Mankind lives in sin. Mankind lives without the love of God. Now we as a church have determined that we are going to eliminate the spiritual support, that we're going to eliminate uh, worship in the Spirit, and what we are going to do is we are going to paint our walls black, we're going to shoot lights throughout the building. We're going to bring about all of these elements in the natural that makes the world think they're at a rock concert. And the next thing you know, they're going to jump up and down and they're going to worship. Who are they worshiping? What do we get out of darkness? Huh? What do we get out of darkness? What comes out of darkness? What did Jesus say darkness was whenever he said these words in Colossians 1.16? That we have been delivered out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear. So what are we getting? So our natural mind is saying, let's put together this darkness. Let's bring men in to worship light. What? Let's bring men in to worship the light in darkness. How in the world can that be? How can that be? Because what we have done is we have begun to worship the spirit of darkness. And he rises up in us and we jump up and down and we do all of these crazy. Have you watched some of the worship that are showing up on YouTube today? Have you watched some of the absolute foolish behaviors that are showing up and being called worshiping the Spirit of God? 
I look at them and I shake my head and say, my God, how far have we fallen from the spirit of truth? But yet we think in our churches today that we go everything black, everything no light. And the God who pierced the darkness of hell who has done it once and for all is going to come back into our sanctuary and do it again? Have we not read the word of God? He did that once and for all. He intruded light into darkness and took the keys of death and hell out of darkness and resurrected in a new body once and for all. We don't need darkness. We need light. We need light. What did the Bible say? The Bible said that the reason they are condemned already is because they hate light. We'll never worship the Spirit of God whenever we are shrouded in darkness. We will never come into the sanctuary. Did I teach you about the sanctuary, the temple of God? Did I not tell you that in the temple of God there is solid gold? Did I not tell you that there is a something called the menorah that we call the candlestick that was lit and that room being gold was covered and shrouded in complete light? Light! From the moment they pulled open the curtain, they walked into light. They walked into the spirit of light. They went to the candlestick and there they saw all the process of God in light. The spirit of truth is not darkness. It never has been, nor will it ever be. But the devil has shrouded our eyes until we think we got to look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world, stalk like the world, peep like the world, and all of a sudden God's going to be happy with that. Help me, Jesus. Jesus said that he is a God of whom we should worship in spirit and in truth. What is truth, friend? Well, John told you what truth was. John told you in John chapter 1. I wrote about it in my book. John said that truth is life, light, and illumination. You cannot be illuminated when you are walking in darkness. Oh, now wait a minute, preacher. You was talking about the marriage of the Spirit and the Word. How can the Word keep us in darkness? Where there is no revelation of light, there is darkness. We can put the manual up there and try to be a doctor, but with no revelation of light, you cannot be a doctor. You can try to be a cook with a cookbook, but without a revelation of someone who knows what they're doing, you will never be a cook. I've eaten some great cooking for 30 years. 
I ate some terrible cooking before that. Most of the time it was my own. See this right here? That's a burn from me trying to do my own cooking. Huh? I'm a living witness today from four burns on my neck that you can give me directions. You can tell me on the box what to do. But whenever the cooking goes wrong with a bad, dumb cook, the outcome right there. Four burns. Why? Because I reached in with my open hand and tried to pull out of a microwave something that was sizzling hot. When it burned my hand, I dropped it and it blew all over my face. You cannot take instructions and become proficient just because you read the book. I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. There is no anointing and there is no spirit. There is no revelation and there is no light. We can jump up and down and sing songs that people don't even know, but they're hearing that beat. We can jump up and down and wave our hands and all of that. And it is not the move of the Holy Ghost. It is the move of the natural mind. Jesus said, when you get to where you have married the Word and the Spirit... Then the Spirit of the Lord will be upon you. And when you do, when it gets upon you, you'll do five things in my name. You will take those that are beggars, change their life. You'll take those that are broken, change their life. You'll take those that are bruised, change their life. You'll take those that are blind and change. You'll take those that are in bondage and change their life. You will begin to take them out of the limits of darkness and bring them into the everlasting content of the process of the limitless life that is in Jesus Christ through the God of the universe. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yeah, you can't get around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. It's just truth. It's just truth. Jesus said you will worship me in spirit and in truth. Now, there's another revelation in this. Last week we talked about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And uh, we explained a lot about Lordship. But in this scripture, and I want to go back to it before I go any further. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you see that? So who, how was Jesus operating? Was he operating from the Word of God only? No, we've substantiated he was operating from the Spirit of the Lord. It was the Spirit of the Lord. Who is the Lord now? Because you should be saying, Pastor, you told me last week Jesus Christ was Lord. Did I not? Have I not preached on the names of Jesus? Jesus of the cross, Jesus of the tomb. Have I not preached of Christ, the anointed Son of God, resurrected from the dead? Have I not told you about the high priest who entered into the temple of God in light, there blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you? Have I not told you about him being named Lord? But yet here we see him saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What's he talking about? 
What's he saying here, Pastor? He's saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do those five B words. To eliminate the beggar, to eliminate the broken, to eliminate the bruised, to eliminate the blind. To bring down those that are in bondage. And to bring about the acceptable, the bountiful year of the Lord. But yet he is operating under someone's lordship. Now you've got to see this. He's operating under someone's lordship. Someone is in charge of everything. Because Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. Jesus has not done all of the things that his name and the plan of salvation of which he is captain, according to Hebrews chapter 2, declares that he is. So there is somebody that is operating as Lord. Who is that? Well, that lordship consists of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Godhead has determined to send Jesus. When did they make that determination? Before the foundation of the world. Why did they make that determination? Because God had looked upon what Lucifer did and said, your sin of pride cannot be remaining here among me. And one third of the angels decided they were going to follow him and he kicked them all out of heaven. Sent him into the be the prince of the power of the air. So there was something that now had to be done because there was an element outside of heaven that was not under his lordship. You see that? There was an element of the devil, Satan, and one-third of the angels that were not under his lordship. So he sins by the divine plan of God from the foundation of the world. This is why I told you last week, God did not send Jesus with you as the first mind. He sent Jesus in first mind to destroy the works of the man of sin. So now he sends Jesus into the earth. Who is guiding him? Who is his Lord? How could it be that there is another Lord? Because the Lordship was transferred to him. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said that at the name of Jesus... Every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. That was a transference of the Father. But here we see Jesus operating in a marriage between the Word and the Spirit. And God, the Father, is operating in the position of Lordship. So as God operates in Lordship, what is the Godhead, the Father? Because at this point, God and the Holy Spirit are operating in the connection of the Godhead. Jesus is operating in connection with man. What is it that this Godhead, this Lordship, is going to do? What are they going to do through Jesus? Well, he tells you right there. He said they are going to take the beggar and they're going to make him poor no more. They are going to take the bruised, the blind, the broken. 
those in bondage and those in slavery and give them the bountiful and bountiless love of God. That's what he's going to do. And Jesus has come under the direction of the Lord. You need to see that and you need to understand that. So everything that Jesus accomplishes in marrying the prophecy of the Scripture and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lordship together, everything He does is brought into those five words. Everything He does for people, everything under the, the direction of the Father that He is giving to people in His day is all being done by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of the Father, rather. Now here Jesus comes, goes and does all that He does to accomplish the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the temple, the tabernacle as high priest. He is then given Lordship. Now what do you suppose He's going to do for you in Lordship? Oh, I'm going to tell you what He's going to do for you. He's going to take you to worship in darkness. He's going to take you to worship in black churches, darkened churches, you know, I'm talking about, not skin color. He's going to take you to racial divides. He's going to take you to be divided on doctrine. He's going to take you to choose and pick out of the Word of God what it is you want to believe. He's going to take you to take the Word of God and say to everybody, hey, don't worry about it. He loves you so much you're going to heaven. That's what He's going to do. Yep, that's exactly what it sounds like that His Lord did for Him when He was ministering to people. Doesn't it sound that way? When you read that right there and say the Lord, the God, the Father told Jesus in the spirit world to marry prophecy and his spirit until those that are poor and beggars would never beg again. They would never be beggars again. Those that are bruised, broken, blind, in bondage, those that are in slavery to this world, I'm telling you that I'm sending you in the Spirit of God to make by force. What was that force, Pastor? What was the force? What was the poor force that anointed him? What was it, Pastor? I've already told you over and over again. It was the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the high priesthood, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and then him being seated at the right hand of God and re-interjected back into the Godhead. You see, what God wanted to do for you in marrying the Scripture and marrying the Spirit is the exact thing that He did for them when He married the Word and the Spirit in Jesus Christ. When Jesus was called in heaven the Lord, automatically, automatically, all of the Lordship of the Father Turn to him. And this is what it said. Every beggar will bow. Every broken will bow. Every bruised will bow. Everyone in bondage will bow. No matter where you are, to the Lordship. Now that's what they did in Jesus' time, you see. That's what they did in Jesus' day. Why did he do it? 
Why did the people bow to him? Why did the people come to him in droves to hear his word? Why did the people come to him? Because he had a message from the Old Testament? Or because he had the lordship of the Father flowing through him by the Spirit of God that would say to you in whatever your condition is, if you will come to me, even though you are weak, even though you are common, I will make you free. I will make you whole. I'm the one with the force of the lordship of Almighty God that will change you and transform you out of darkness into the glorious light of his dear son. What a message. What a message. So they came to Jesus. You know what he told the disciples, the apostles in John 15? He said, now watch this because this is big right here. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Hmm. I don't see many folk hating on anybody unless they're telling them a message of which they can agree with. We're building big edifices and big churches today. We're including, affirming, tolerating, accepting everything and everybody today. Ain't no hate going on there. The only hate that's going on are to those who are preaching the truth about the Word of God. The only hate that's going on are those that are saying sin is sin. The only hate that's going on are those that are standing to say if you're in sin, you're a beggar and you're poor and you're lost and undone without Almighty God. You are not serving the God of the universe. You're serving the man of sin. Therefore, I come with a message and that message is that God loves you but you are condemned today because you have never been made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, that's the message. Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But I look around and I see people being celebrated today. I see church pastors with multi-thousands and mega millions being celebrated today. Why? Why? When Jesus plainly said, if you preach the truth in spirit and in the word, they'll hate you. Well, that tells me something. They ain't preaching the truth. They're not preaching the truth. So therefore, they become very accepted in this world in which we live. Why? Because they have taken the word and they have sliced and diced it until it says things like, God hates sin but loves the sinner. God hates sin but loves the sinner. So you're telling me that throughout history, all of those that died in their sin, that perpetrated such sad and sorry works upon men mankind, God hated their sin but He loved them? Hmm. Hmm. 
The facts are, the truth is, that God turns His face from evil. God will not look upon evil. God does not receive evil. When we look at the love chapter from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know what we see? God can't even think evil. So the evilness that is in mankind cannot be acceptable before a holy and righteous God. Can't be. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the world will hate you. They won't like you. They won't want you. Why? Because you have made me Lord. What are you doing for me? Jesus said, when I go away, you're going to do greater works than even I do. What are you doing for me? Well, let me tell you what we're doing. We're teaching the beggar that you don't have to be a beggar any longer. We're saying to the bruised and the hurt of our world, you don't have to be a beggar. You just need to change who you serve. You just need to change the way you're living and your life is showing us that you're serving sin. Sin is at the root of your problem. Not God. God has never been at the root of man's problem. God has been the answer to man's need. God has been the way of escape from the common things of this world. But we serve the devil, be bruised, beggars, broken, in bondage and slavery to sin, and all we can talk about is who enslaved us in the natural Never understanding that the genesis of all of it came out of slavery in the spiritual. Oh, now, Pastor, now let's don't get too deep into that. The truth is the truth. Slavery did not come out of the spirit world. Someone said, Yeah, Pastor, but they went to church so. Many are going to church today. Thousands are going to church today. And they're all believing a lie and will be damned, according to 2 Thessalonians. Going to church is not your answer. Coming to Jesus Christ and being renewed by the Word and the Spirit of God, that's your answer. We want to blame slavery in the natural, never understanding that the one that you are serving, the one to whom you are living for, he is the genesis of slavery. He is the genesis of bondage. He is the genesis of brokenness. He is the genesis of slavery. God, in his blessed Lordship, sent Jesus Christ to free you from all of that. But, we don't want to marry the Spirit and the Word. We don't want to marry the Spirit and the Word. Now we don't want to do that. Because we might just have the Spirit of God move through us one time and us have to raise our hands and shout, Glory to God! Hallelujah to the Lamb of God! I was in church a few years ago. There was an African American came in. He had been, we had prayed for him for cancer for a long while. He sat on the front row. 
They began to sing all of a sudden in his pastel outfit, looking just as sharp as a mustard seed. He stood up and he began to glorify the Baptist man, began a Pentecostal holiness church, began to glorify God, shouting, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Glory to God! Sharon remembers it probably because she was there. He went on and on and on until everybody stood up and began to shout. And the pastor said, This is the man we've been praying for. And God has brought him through cancer. That's why he shouted. Maybe at some point if we would marry the spirit and the word. We would have a move in the inner man. That would so move us in our mind. That we would come out and begin to jump for joy. Not because of the beat of the music. But because the marriage of the word and the scripture. Became spirit and truth. And the life of the spirit of almighty God. Resonated in our bodies. Oh my God, I've got to quit. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I give you glory today. I give you glory. May we get out of foolish thinking that deprives us. Deprives us of truth. Deprives us of direction. Deprives us of peace. Deceives us. Until we wonder, where are you, God? Why aren't you, God? But the Lordship of your dear Son has been sent forth to accomplish in us exactly what you accomplished in them. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you. I thank you for bringing that to my memory. The Holy Spirit wants me to tell you something. The Holy Spirit reminds me of something to tell you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. When you come to the Lord and you bow before Him as Lord, you bring all of the things that are your responsibility. Just like Abraham brought the sheep, the cattle, the families, his family, Lot's family, out of Ur. God made a covenant with him. When you bow before the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you bring everything that is in your possession to bow to his Lordship. Do you say, as you're praying and thinking on what I'm saying, all I've got is me? Uh-uh. No, no. No, there's a lot more to you than you. There's a lot more to me than Mike. Because Mike has a lot of things that have a name. Mike has a brain. Mike has skin. Mike has hair. Mike has eyes. Mike has a nose, a mouth, a tongue, a throat, ears. Mike has lungs. Mike has a heart. Mike has kidneys. Mike has uh, appendix. Mike has a gallbladder. Mike has a pancreas. Mike has joints and tissue and muscles. Mike has toes and fingers. When I bow before him as Lord, Mike has knees. Mike has hips. Mike has a back. Mike has a spine. Mike has bones. When I bow before him as Lord, I bring everything under his lordship.
Not some things, but everything. When I bow, I bring the equivalent of my cows, my houses, my lands, my money, my family. I bring everything and bow before His Lordship. That's why when Jesus said, no matter where you are, whether you're a beggar, whether you're bruised, whether you're broken, whether you're blind, whether you're uh, in bondage, there is a bountiless Lordship of which you can lay all of those before Him. And in that Lordship, in that Lordship, you can say, Now God, I have made you Lord over my life. That goes along for everything that has a name that is in me. Not only in me, but in my family, in my children, in them. Boy, all of a sudden, the cattle and the lands and the family... All get bigger. See, Moses or, or Abraham brought out a complete, a complete wealth of everything that he possessed out of Ur. Presented it to before, before God. Now we're seeing that all of a sudden when we fall under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are bringing before Him more than just me and my name. We're bringing everything that has a name. We're bringing our children, our family, everything that has in them that has a name. We're bringing our loved ones, our aunt, Sarah. We're bringing all of them and laying them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And we're saying, where we're beggars, where we don't know, fill us with your spirit so we can. Where we're broken, fix us, Father. Destroy the things that are breaking us. Where we are bruised by things in our past. Heal them. Heal them in us. Where we're in bondage to whatever it may be. Addictions. Uh, love affairs. Drugs. Alcohol. Whatever it may be. We're laying that before your Lordship today. I'm in bondage to it, Father. I'm bound. Whatever's binding you from finding out what God has for you in life and in ministry. Jesus has said, you bring all of that to me and bow. You bow first. Get your life straight. Find the life that is in the light. And come to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You do that first. Then from there. Like a wagon train or a train, you pull along with you everything else and you say, here it is, Lord. Here it is, Lord. All of these are under your Lordship. I no longer can fix them in my own wisdom. But you can fix them because you're Lord over it all. Now right where you sit, I want you to name. First of all, I want you to say, Lord, in your spirit, in your mind, forgive me. Forgive me for wrong thinking. Forgive me for wrong doctrine. Forgive me for a wrong belief system. Forgive me of all of that. Today, I marry the Word and the Spirit. For the Word is going to give me instruction and the Spirit is going to give me revelation. And as I come into the revelation of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, will be illuminated to me and I will walk in the light of truth. I receive that today. Forgive me of every sin, any sin, anything that's in me, God. I lay it before you. 
Given it shall be given unto you. Give. Give out of your spirit. Give away your sin. Give away your unbelief. Give away all of that foolishness. Give it away. He'll receive it. And then He will give back to you. He'll give it back to you pressed down, shaken together and running over from His Lordship. And the man of God that is teaching you, will teaching will teach you from the bosom of fullness of the marriage of the Spirit and the Word. But I want you to remember today, with what measure you measure, it will be measured to you again. So as you are forgiving others, forgiving yourself, as you are walking in the line of finding His Lordship, if you're willing to bring yourself under the leadership of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and measure that and then turn around and give that same into the things of your body, your family, your job, whatever it may be. Give that the same measure of freedom and forgiveness that you give yourself. My friend, all of a sudden, the thing that you have measured has been measured back to you. Now, Father, today as we hear your word, We've prayed now. We've prayed. We've prayed and we've said, God, we make you Lord over it. We forgive ourselves and we forgive others. We make you Lord over who we are. We make you Lord over everything that has a name that is even remotely associated with us. Now, we speak today to knees, legs, backs, pancreas, kidneys, we speak to you today from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In that Lordship, shoulders, fingers, arms, in that Lordship today, we have bowed before you as Lord. We bring those elements that are rebelling, that are rebelling against your Lordship. We bring them to you today. Father, I'm bowing before you. I'm bringing them. I'm bowing to say your Lord. They, on the other hand, being brought by me, they know that you are their Lord as well as I do. But they're not listening. I bring them to you today. I bring them to you. And I pronounce that as you are Lord over me, you're Lord over it. Your Lord over them. Your Lord over those things that have a name. My children, your Lord over them. I bring them to you today. My finances, your Lord over them. I bring them to you today. My body, your Lord over it. I bring it to you today. Bring it all. Lay it down right here, right now. The way I feel, your Lord over it. Those things that bind me, your Lord over it. I bring it to you. Lay it down right now. Lay it down right now. My kidneys, my knees, my legs, my heart. My shoulders. My finances. Lay it all. Lay it all. Lay it all. Lay it all. Give it all right now. Now if any of that or anything else is in your world, you pronounce yourself having been forgiven to make Him Lord. To make Him Lord over your life. And then you pronounce the Lordship of Jesus Christ over whatever in your life.
the devil is using to buffet you. Whatever it is. Wherever it is, whatever it is, just say, Lord, I am bowing and I bring, I bring this rebellious part of my body to your Lordship. Because you're my Lord, you have to be His Lord. You have a covenant with me just as much as you had a covenant with Abraham. You have to be Lord over my knees, my hips, my legs, my heart, my veins, my muscles, my kidneys, my feet, my hands, my arms, my legs, my money. You have to be Lord over it. I give it to you. My pancreas, I give it to you. Now stand to your feet and receive it in the name of Jesus. Now Father... The Holy Ghost has revealed it to us. We receive it today. And we release out of our mouth the promise of your Lordship. I release out of my mouth the promise of healing in my hips. I release out of my mouth the promise of healing in my neck. I release out the Lordship over my hips, my neck, my lungs. My body, I release over me today, healing in my knees. Your Lord over them, God. Jesus has been pronounced based on what we saw out of your Lordship. When you said we were no longer to be beggars in bondage, broken, bruised, bound, but that we could come into the bountifulness of your Lordship. What a promise, God. What a promise, God. What a promise. We have come into your Lordship and knees and hips and backs and ankles and pancreases and lungs and brains and eyes and tongues and throats are healed because they are under your Lordship. Glory. The Spirit of God and the truth have married and that has brought me to your Lordship. Glory to God forevermore. Glory to God for I release that promise. I release that truth out of my mouth. I release it. It's been revealed. Now I receive it and I release it. Say it right out loud. I release healing in my kidneys. I release healing in my hips. I release healing in my back. I release healing in my knees. I release healing in my legs. I release healing in my heart. I release healing from my past. I release healing from addiction. I release healing from all of the dominion and the slavery of sin. I serve a master who is Lord over everything. Glory to God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yes, 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 yes. He is Lord. He is Lord, my friends. He is Lord. Now I have revealed it. We have received it. And we have released it. Now His Lordship is in control of it. His Lordship is in control of it. Those of you that are listening on Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio, Mike Springston, FFC Podcast, I want to tell you today, listen to the message. Pray the prayer. If you don't know Him, simply say, Lord, the Spirit of God has convicted me today and convinced me. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and I want to make Him Lord of my life. Pray that prayer. 
be renewed. He will regenerate you, redeem you, love you, and bring you into the peace of the shelter of His arms. Then, the other parts of your life, with your life being led to His Lordship, can be brought to Him and laid before Him, just as you have seen us do today. Father, I thank You for the Word of God. Minister to Your people. Bless, move, and touch. As healing resonates today, and as we have released it, May the flow of the Spirit come through our body. May the power and presence of the Holy Spirit be manifest in us. So that we can be a witness to what you have done from the throne room of God as Lord. We will praise you now and forever for your goodness, your love, and your care. Now I bless you as you go today. Go in peace. Go in joy. Go in the Spirit and in the truth. Go in the Holy Ghost and allow the Holy Ghost to minister to you. He will, and as He does, bring yourself deeper under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. May God bless you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen. Tonight at 6 o'clock, don't forget it, we'll be back on Facebook. God bless you. Hallelujah. The word is